This is WAND In-Depth. This podcast contains mature content. If you're listening with children, be warned. Two-year-old Tanasia Barnes died cold and hungry. I didn't understand how anybody could do that. Police arrested her mother, Tawanika Davis, and her mother's live-in fiancé, Anthony Myers, for her death. When it comes down to, you know, one of the well-being, you got to look at two, would you want to be done like that? You know? Both faced hard prison time for first-degree murder. Tanisha was totally innocent. She couldn't even express verbally what was happening to her, so she needed protection. But the family's long history of involvement with the Department of Children and Family Services sparked conversation and made many wonder if they played a role in the toddler's death. I'm Karen Iser. This is Episode 3 of Lost Innocence, The Tanisha Barnes Story. History with the Department of Children and Family Services. We knew that the little girl wasn't was in a foster home. Um, he told us that he was getting her back. That's Renee Hutchinson. She was Anthony Myers and Tawanika Davis's neighbor. Like most neighbors, she and her husband hung out with the couple from time to time. But for the most part, Myers and Davis kept much of their lives private. My husband had been in the front door. And other than a lack of furniture, as you walked in, you never would have thought. And I just don't understand if DCFS or Webster Cantrell was there, how they didn't know it was in that condition for that long. She knew some details, but not all of them especially the details surrounding the family's involvement with DCFS. And tonight, DCFS is revealing its involvement with a two-year-old Decatur girl. Tanasia was just over a year and a half old the first time social workers got involved with her and her family. Just 16 days after her death in February 2019, DCFS released information about their role in the child's life. DCFS has released a timeline of their involvement with Tanaja and her family in the year before her death. It began in December of 2017, just days before Christmas. The department received a hotline call alleging abuse and neglect regarding Tanasia while she was under the care of her mother and her mother's fiancé. This was the first time the toddler entered the foster care system. In courtroom audio, DCFS supervisors describe what they found inside the home from the content note documented by an investigator. Yes, there was trash, dog feces, toys, food, clothing, all through out the downstairs, which in, included the kitchen, living room, and side room. To get a better understanding of how this works, we sat down with a former social worker. She has no ties with Tanasia Barnes or her family and was never involved in the case, but it will help get a better understanding of how the system works. There is a list that you follow. There are certain guidelines you follow. Uh, I know that, you know, one of the first things you do is you're supposed to go in and you go, like, from front to back of the house to kind of make sure that the house is clear of threat. Um, You know, it may sound a bit dramatic, but if you are, a lot of the times it's just one person going into a house and they're doing a safety check. So they go into this house sometimes blindly. They don't know what could be in there. Sometimes they've never even been to the house before. Sometimes they may have never even met the people before. So um, there's definitely a case, there's definitely a list that they follow. There is a um, yeah set of orders that they follow. Um, there's things that they're 
trained to look for, whether it be like do the beds, you know, are the beds on the floor? Are the beds in a bunk bed or whatever? Are there even beds? Um, you know, do the dressers have clothes in them? Are there clothes in the closets? Um, you know, like for the kids, is there food in the pantries? Further details from DCFS revealed in 2017, the court granted temporary custody of Tanasia and her half-brother right before the new year. During this time, Tanasia's mother and her mother's live-in fiancé needed to complete parenting classes, a mental health assessment, and substance abuse screening. Keep in mind, while Anthony isn't Tanasia's biological father, he took on the role as a parent for Tanasia and his son, Tanasia's half-brother. And he was referred to as Tanasia's dad. One social worker detailed this in court. Um, he acted as her father. She called him dad. Um, was very excited to see him every time he In December of 2017, both Myers and Davis entered a 12-week program through Webster Cantrell Hall. This focused on domestic abuse, alcoholism, and how to create a safe environment for children. Now, before the course begins, though, each parent is required to complete a pretest. Anthony Myers scored a passing grade on his pretest, while Tawanika Davis failed. Now, Myers didn't need to continue with the course, but the parenting instructor with Webster Cantrell Hall detailed why he did. And is that what he said that he wanted to go through the classes to support Tawanika and the case? The couple continued with the course, learning about how to properly feed children, how to keep them warm, and appropriate discipline. And by the end of the course, Tawanika passed with a 70%, and Anthony finished with a 96. Here's how social workers described the couple while they were under supervision of Webster Cantrell. And how did he behave during the classes? Quite engaged, participated. Um, he completed all his assignments. Did you uh, personally observe Tawanika Davis during the classes that she participated in? Yes. And how did she behave? She was reserved, a little shy, quiet. She didn't. Um, she participated, but she didn't. She wasn't very active. At the end of March in 2018, just after Tanasia's second birthday and three months after that first hotline call, the court granted Tanasia's biological father, Dartavius Barnes, custody of the girl, while Tanasia's half brother was placed back into the care of Tawanika and Anthony. During this time, community resources and services assisted the family. Then Tawanika and Anthony were able to set up visitation for Tanasia, all while DCFS made routine visits with both families. By the end of May of 2018, Tanasia's mother and her mother's live-in fiancé created a service plan with DCFS. It wasn't until summer of 2018 when Tanasia was placed into foster care for the second time, while she was under the supervision of her biological father, Dartavius Barnes. A former social worker detailed the process of removing a child. I mean, it can get pretty brutal. You know, you're doing one of the worst jobs, and I would argue in the world, is having to take a child away from a parent. Nobody would wish for a child to be taken away from a parent. And I think it's very important that uh, everybody is on, and, you know, it's hard as this is to say, everybody is on at least some sort of the same page with the foster parents, from the biological parents, to caseworkers, to investigators, to supervisors. Um, you know, if a child is coming into the system, then everybody needs to know that what we're trying to do is what's best for the child. We want to put that parent through whatever classes or courses that they may need to go through in order to, you know, learn what they need to learn, to become educated on what they may not have already known. And then at the same time, we want to work with the foster parents or whoever has, um, you know, this child in custody to make sure that the child is not falling behind, to make sure that 
we're creating a good bond so that way the child is being set up to return home and to, you know, be back with their parents if that's what is decided by the court. DCFS reported in June a hotline call alleging abuse and neglect required them to remove the child. We have audio from the courtroom where Dartavius Barnes, the biological father, testifies to the hotline call. She spent nearly two months in foster care after that call under the supervision of Aisha Dean who explained the agency doesn't go into great detail when a child is dropped off. It's only so much they can tell you. They can't tell us too much because it's, you know, uh, personal business of the parents or whoever care they were in. They could just say, you know, they'll call you and ask you, we have a, a child, a two-year-old, you know, they'll give us a raise. And if anything, like health-wise, they'll tell us that. Or they can say something like maybe, you know, they, you know, had a tragic life or had, you know, been left or something like that so but only so much but not too much. Tanasia only spent two months with Aisha but during this time her mother Tawanika Davis and her mother's live-in fiance Anthony Myers would get to visit the girl and Webster Cantrell Hall continued to monitor the family with home checks and unannounced visits. The supervisor and case manager for the family described in the courtroom the couple's dynamic. Um, when I would conduct home visits um, to the home um, the thing Many testifying Anthony was the head of the household, while Tawanika was more reserved and would follow instructions from him. By the beginning of August in 2018, the court ordered Tanasia to return home, but again, not without supervision from Webster Cantrell Hall. Our former social worker, unrelated with the case, details the court process for us. All social workers and, um, you know, private agency workers alike are working on behalf of court orders. So for the most part, if we are, you know, taking away a kid or reuniting a child with a family, it is all on court order. So whether that be visitations or permanent reunite, you know, reunifications or whatever, it has already, for the most part, been in front of a judge and the judge has ordered in one way or another. And then what the social work agency or DCFS is responsible to do is then follow those court orders. Aisha Dean, Tanasia's foster mother, had to say goodbye, which she said wasn't easy, but it's something she was prepared for. I don't know you can't get too attached to him, but I'm sure you were able to get attached. You can't help but to be with you every day. That's one of the hardest things being a foster parent is getting attached to the children, you know, when they go home. It's like, but most of the time it's not like, okay, they're going home tomorrow. So they usually try to tell you or get you ready, you know, okay, well, in a couple months, mom or dad or whatever, whoever's getting a child, doing pretty good. So, you know, and they took all their classes and everything. So, so-and-so will be ready to go home. So it's like that, which it helps a little bit, but sometimes it really don't ease it, you know, because the longer you have it, the more attached you get to them. So, yeah. Do you ever get worried whenever? Every time, every child I had and they go home, I always pray. A month later, another hotline call. But this time, investigators found nothing that would suggest the child was in danger. And by October 24th, 2018, upon recommendation by Webster Cantrell Hall and the family's cooperation, the court ordered the case be closed and the child welfare involvement ended. A former social worker, again not linked to the case, explained once a case is closed, all communication between the social worker directly involved ends. Professionally, you should not revisit you should, and I, I think I'll leave it at that. Professionally, um, you have your time with the client, and once that case is up, then your time seeing them is up. 
and we are we prepare our clients for that. We prepare ourselves for that. A lot of the time, whenever you receive a case, you know you have it for you know a year, or it could be four years. It depends. So you you prepare yourself and you prepare your clients for that. But once the case is closed, you are professionally not supposed to revisit or you know contact really those people. They are they've moved on and they may have other resources that are helping them. October 2018 was the last time Tanasia's biological father saw her, and it was the last time many would see the child alive. The last interaction DCFS had with Tanasia and her family was in November of 2018, and it was just an information call made with concerns about lack of immunization for the two-year-old. DCFS reported there was no investigation because nothing could prove the allegations to be true. Three months later, Tanasia died. It's a day Renee Hutchinson won't forget. Um, I've been a child abuse advocate for a while, and just knowing that she needed justice, and if I would have known that she was in there and what was going on, I would have spoke up a long time before that. DCFS turned over all information and reports they had with Tanasia and her family to law enforcement. Just weeks after her death, the department released a statement saying part... DCFS is devastated by the loss of Tanasia Barnes. Over the coming weeks and months, the department will work with the new administration to increase staff of caseworkers and investigators, review practices on family involvement, and improve communication with the community of professionals involved. In May of 2019, the child's biological father, Dartavius Barnes, filed a wrongful death lawsuit against Webster Cantrell Hall. The case is ongoing, and the next hearing is set for May of 2021. Next time on Lost Innocence, the Tanasia Barnes story. It's so difficult to read the reports, look at the photographs, and think about the egregious facts in this case. A mother and her fiancé faced hard prison time for the death of two-year-old Tanasia Barnes. We'll head inside the courtroom as one pleaded guilty to murdering the child and the other one faced a jury. Because what they did to her, there there was no time in the world that can bring her back or, you know, it's just, I think they got a slap on the wrist. Then later, a revamp for DCFS. I think all of our systems could use a revamp, if I'm being honest, but I think especially the social work and private agency systems and stuff like that, they need to get maybe a little bit more recognition because it is hard. State lawmakers beginning to analyze the department. The House Adoption and Child Welfare Committee shall please come to order. As they work to make changes. I said, but this is a royal mess that needs to be cleaned up. This is Lost Innocence, the Tanisha Barnes story. Our next episode will drop on March 4th, 2021 on WAND In Depth. Be sure to hit the subscribe button and leave a review to tell us what you think. And for the latest news on this case, head over to our website, wandtv.com.